ComedySlamRadio.com. From our studios to the world, we bring you the finest in quality entertainment. So pop some popcorn, grab a smooch buddy, and settle in for another fine show from ComedySlamRadio.com. It's time for the Let's Be Frank Show, where we get frank with your favorite celebrity and national touring comedians. Follow us on Twitter at Let's Be Frank Show, and if you miss our live broadcast on Comedy Slam Radio, find us on Stitcher Radio, Podomatic, and iTunes at Let's Be Frank's Podcast. Keep laughing, my friends. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of the Let's Be Frank Show. With Dave Frank, Fat Davey, the special character of the evening. And tonight, I want to take a minute and thank Wally Collins for calling in tonight. How you doing, Wally? I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a special day for me here. I just introduced my new intro, and tonight I'm going to introduce my new outro. I don't even know how much I like my new intro, but I hated the last intro I had, so I was swearing up and down and upset about the fact that it, I thought it sucked so bad. Right. So, well, how horrible or good? What do you think of the new intro? Not the Comedy Slam, which is fabulous, but mine. What do you think? The new disco well, I, weirdo well, music? No, well, to be honest with you, um, it's the first time I heard it, so it sounds great. There you go. See, somebody else was just in here, and they're like, Dave, there's no inflection in your voice. And I didn't even think he knew the definition of inflection by the person who said it, but he goes, you're too monotone. And I'm like, whatever, man, leave me alone. I like this one better than my last one. That's when you look in the mirror and you get inflection. There you go. And and it's funny because I, I didn't know what to do for an outro. So I'm like, fuck it. Let's play the theme to uh, The Incredible Hulk when he's walking away. <laughs> That's pretty clever. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just talking over that saying, you know, whatever, goodbye right. and all that. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, you know, you got to do something. Something's got to be funny in case it's not me. Although you're right. going to be funny, right? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try my best. Well, actually, you about, don't have to be now? funny. You don't have to be funny. You're on because you're a funny guy. We don't let, often ask comedians to tell jokes. Oh, but great. sometimes just funny shit happens. Yes, yes. I, I believe in that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into it, man. You've been in comedy yeah, now for a while. How, how many years are you in comedy? Oh, man, since the early 90s. Early 90s. So yeah. just, was that like, uh, I'm about 40, so that's like fresh out of high school for me. Were you, how old? Oh, yeah, I, I was, uh, I was just an embryo when I started. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, when I was born, I was saying, I said, knock, knock. And he goes, <laughs> okay, he's a comedian. <laughs> it's a boy or girl? No, it's a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I, I know that that is, you know, although that is funny, it's not the truth because I watched and read a little bit about you and, uh, right. it was kind of your mom's idea for you to start comedy, wasn't it? Yeah, man. Um, you got to thank Big Mama. Buildings. Big Mama hooked yeah. you up with some good advice. Well, you know what? Basically what they wanted to do, my parents, all they wanted to do was make sure that we were happy, no matter what. They wanted their kids to be happy. And so, um, you know, I was designing buildings, and she just said to me, if you could be anything or do anything, what would it be? And I still love to be an actor. And she goes, why are you designing buildings if you want to be an actor? And I'm like, no one famous ever came from Springfield, Massachusetts. And she goes, well, you never know. And so I was like, hey, you're right. So I gave her an obstacle. I said, well, I don't know where to start. She goes, well, when you try you know, doing comedy, because you're a pretty funny guy, and then parlay that into acting. And so I gave it a shot, and the rest is history. So where, where did you it. go up the first time to up? do comedy? No, where did yeah, you well, start I, doing comedy? I started in, in the uh, Springfield, Massachusetts area. Um, I started in the, the towns like Holyoke and Chicopee. Um, it's been Springfield, West Springfield, um, all those areas there. And back then, um, they really didn't have comedy clubs. They had like comedy night, you know, like a restaurant would have comedy, like, you know, and Thursday's comedy night or a, a nightclub would have like Tuesday's comedy night, that kind of thing, you know? And so I kind of did like little, like little mini tours, you know, um, after work, I would jump in my car and, you know, and, uh, go to do, you know, such and such club that has comedy at that night, MC the club, you know, MC it or maybe do like a, a quick set, a quick set or something like that. So there wasn't no, there wasn't any actual open mics or anything? No. What, what happened was in this area, this is like when comedy was like, uh, comedy was like booming in, in Springfield and this guy, this producer named Mark Rossi, 
he um, wanted someone to MC uh, the shows, and uh, he would bring comedians from New York City. And so he wanted a local MC, and so I was the local MC. And so I would just basically tell me to go to, you know, it's like from Thursday to like Sunday, I would uh, MC these shows. I mean, that's a pretty interesting start. I mean, normally, right. that's you know, normally you're at an open mic night and you earn the right to become an MC. Right. So it's almost like right. backwards, but that's good because it exposed you to more stage time faster. Yeah. Yeah, and also too is that you know people there would be different there would be different uh, um, acts you know there would be like a, a middle act and a headliner and I was the same I was the, it was the same guy but and it would be the same audience so like I would have to change my act every two weeks or change my jokes around every two weeks you know and because people were like oh we heard that we heard that kind of thing you know so that helped that you know I, I kind of got my chops you know real real quick and and, and trying to develop material pretty quickly yeah. You said how you had to change your act like every two weeks. It's funny because that's actually a testament to the place you're doing comedy at. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of comedy places down here. You can go, you know, there's some great places, and then there's just some average old hole in the wall of comedy clubs. And right. if you, you can ask, you know, has anybody ever seen me before? They're going to say no because they've never been to that comedy club. And, you know, right. others, you know, anytime you say it, you see two or three hands or four hands because they keep coming back. And Right. It's it's a big difference. Sometimes I'm amazed at how different clubs operate and how there could be such a huge difference. Like you walk in and you're like, it just doesn't make sense that the doors are open. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But, you know, it's the love for it, though. I mean, I love doing it. There's just the fact that something that came out of my brain and I'm, you know, staying on a, on a microphone and they're actually laughing at it. It's like it's a high that you cannot, you can't match. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, yeah. I, I remember... You know, when I first started doing comedy, I just wanted to, I'd been in sales my whole life on commission and, you know, I talked in front of 10 or 15 people to sell products, but it was different. I'm like, you know, I I think I need to amp up my game. I was like 38 years old and kind of felt like I was on a, a low level plateau and I needed to amp up my game. And I said, you know what, I'm going to try stand up comedy and the very worst thing that could happen is I get laughed at, you know, I don't get laughed at and I, uh, right, right, right. I never see any of those people again. Right. So exactly. it was, it was my kind of, you never know moment. Ah, you never know. There you go. Yeah. Now tell us right. a little bit, cause you have, you're a big, you never know guy. Um, <laughs> you are the well, never I, know man. What'd you say? You are the, you never know man. I am the you never know guy, right? Uh, you never know is um, encouraging people to to uh, live a regretless life. Um, one of the saddest things I, I do um, public speaking too and keynote speaking about the whole concept of you never know. And um, what I say uh, when I start out is that about seventy percent, I'm sorry, eighty percent of people are are not happy because they regret not living the life they dreamed for themselves. I mean, you can ask pretty much that's so basically that's eight out of ten people who are miserable, who get up every morning, you know, to go to work, wishing they're not doing that, you know, and it was like, fine, crazy. And uh, you never know is encouraging people to live their dream because it's that regret, you know, that's like, you don't want to say it, you know, your your last days of your life saying, oh, I want to try, I want to try this, you know, and that's the key to happiness, you know, having a regretless life, doing everything you want to try. And if you have a passion for it, you should be doing it anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I've, I, you know, aside from the little bit of time in comedy, I've never been anything but a sales guy, really. You know, I've just always yeah. been in sales and always dealt with people. Right. And, you know, it, it's amazing coming from sales. It, I think it helps me in comedy because you have to oh, be yeah. so multi, multitasking and have to have an attention span and be somewhat quick-witted. Yeah, I mean, I think sales is probably the uh, like the best way to kind of like parlay into stand-up comedy because, you know, you, you got to be quick on your feet. You got to be a people person. You, you can make it more conversational. Um, you, you know how to draw a person in. If you if you really know you're making that sale, you know when to back off. You know when to attack. You know that's all part techniques, a part of stand-up comedy. Yeah, definitely. And you know, and I say, and everybody who's ever listened to the show knows that I don't brag by any means because I'm only two, two and a half years into comedy, and right. you know, I'm I'm definitely still an open micer. I probably don't even go to as many as I could because I work full time, and I, you know, a lot of my comedy fix I think I get out in this one hour a week on my on the radio show, 
because, right. you know, I get to talk with great comedians all the time, sometimes celebrities, sometimes national touring comedians, right. sometimes just local yokels, and we just get together and shoot the shit and have a fun time. Right. So it, it's such a great experience that sometimes I'm like, ah, I'm not hitting an open mic this week. or So I, I probably only get on stage myself like two to three times a month, and most likely most of it's open mic. But right. I get the other gigs. I had a gig this uh, last week uh, for some nurses. So it was fun. Right, you know? right. I, I think you're, you're in a good position too, man, because, you know, you're talking to people who've been there, done that. So they'll pretty much tell you, you know, don't do that, you know, or what not to do, the, the do's and don'ts of stand-up. So you know that you skip over that step. All right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think you're doing a good thing. It's a very smart thing what you're doing. All right. So, hey, yeah. let's, let's get frank. What's the worst experience <laughs> you've had in comedy? Give us the frank, the frank story uh, on it, man. All right. <laughs> uh, what was her name and, and what was the disease that followed? <laughs> All right, I'll tell you. It was uh, <laughs> me starting out doing stand-up. It was a, like a biker club in Connecticut. And uh, I think it was Glastonbury, Connecticut. And um, I wanted to do comedy anywhere. And anytime there's a, there's a chance for an audience, I was, I was, I was a stage whore. Why lie? I was a stage whore, man. I was like, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. And um, I got there on that stage, and um, it was like a... Uh, like a platform it was it was just a biker bar and they had right. like a little platform and they had like an incandescent bulb you know and they had like a like you know remember those mr microphones those little <laughs> like a little speaker things whatever <laughs> that was the um that was the stage and so here's this black guy but people don't know i'm a black guy and um you know and my name's wally and you know i don't speak necessarily and i didn't grow up in the hood so i'm not necessarily like a hood comic and I'm a clean comic too, by the way. I don't curse at all on stage. So I'm getting up there, you know, doing my jokes, you know. And, um, you know, Heckler, this guy thought he's funnier than me, you know, and he's around his buddies, you know, said something. And I came back, you know, with something back at him, kind of like flattened him. His friend's like, oh, he got you, got you, ah, that kind of thing. So he figured he tried something else and threw something else, like a little crack or whatever. And I, you know, pretty much did the ninja thing, turned back around and put it right back on him. They were like, oh, he got you again two times. So he had nothing left. And so he dropped the N-word. He called me a nigga. Oh. And, yeah. And so it got really weird. But that was the first time I'd been called a nigga. And um, it didn't affect me because I, I, I understand the definition of it. And so I, I, I kind of like giggled because I knew that's all he had. And he figured that if he called me that, I'll get upset, and then, you know, a fight will ensue or whatever. Right. But I was like, you know, I was like, uh, nothing. I know I'm not one, so now what? Right. And so I, so I said, what else you got? So he pulled up his shirt, and he had a revolver, and he tapped the revolver. And I go, <laughs> okay, uh, I guess you, you win. win this one. And I said, thank you, good night, and I walked out. You know, it's funny because I, I like how you say, when, you know, when he says the N-word, and you're like, it just doesn't matter. Uh, right. It's like I had I was uh, hanging out at the pool one time by my apartment complex, and mm -hmm. I know you guys can't even consider hanging out by the pool right now because it's like thirty one degrees. But down here in Clearwater, we could still chill by the pool in right, November. Right, well, yeah, okay, I mean, we, we can chill by the pool too, but it'll be really chilly. Yeah, your beers will stay cold. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, but, that's but, the only thing will be cold. <laughs> <laughs> so we were hanging out by the pool, and we're all drinking and having a great time. Right. And this one lady who used to live underneath. Uh, in in the apartment underneath me, she starts mm -hmm. arguing with me and yelling, and we're just going back and forth. And she used to hate it. I'd stick my hand in her face and go, blah 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 blah. That's all I hear when you talk, you know. Oh wow! So okay. she gets all mad and crazy, and she's drinking. She's probably like fifteen years older than me, right? And she's like, you know what, Dave, you're <laughs> fat. And I was like, wait a minute. I looked to my two friends, and I'm like, how come you guys didn't tell me this? <laughs> like, funny. what do you mean I'm fat? <laughs> Shit. And she was just, what are you going to do? I thought she was going to fall down and cry. Right. Yeah, when you take that away, man, you know, and, and that's like when you're doing stand-up, you know, when you're on stage and you and these people sometimes want to heckle you, when you kind of like, when you're not affected by it and you see how silly it is and the audience sees that you have that kind of control, it just deflates them and, you know, and you're the king. 
and you can use that like in your everyday life. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if, if it doesn't, it doesn't affect you. They, they got nothing. Because I mean, you could decide if you're offended or not. You know, and it's like, no, you got nothing. And when people get, you know, when people get that angry and they try to really try to find something to hurt your feelings, they're just a sad person anyway. So it's like, you know, what you get bigger problems than you know. Absolutely. Than you yelling at me or, you know, you calling me fat or calling me a nigga. So I'm like, oh boy, all right. What else you got? There you oh, go. You fat nigga. <laughs> <laughs> and there ain't that many of them. You know, you don't see a lot of fat black guys out there. More so now since the destruction of the world and everybody eats fast food and doesn't have any quality of life. Are you saying you don't see that? You do see it. No, I see a lot more of it now than I did when I was yeah. growing up. When I was growing up again, you know, I'm 40. So 20, 25 years ago. I never yeah. saw a fat brother. It was like a, it was like the magical, mystical unicorn that didn't exist. They were all everybody right. was toned and buff. And then that, really, was, where do you where do you live, man? Because I, I, I can I can I grew up in upstate. A lot of fat, a lot of fat black dudes that, that in, walk around. Up in in upstate New York, there was not. You know, everybody was just there was just didn't exist. They I don't know. And then I moved to Florida, and the world just got hooked on fat food, uh, fast food, Facebook, and I don't know, <laughs> porn. And they don't go out and they don't do nothing. And I see just as many fat black guys as I do a white guy. So yeah, uh, I, I am, I am okay with that. I figure fat is the most popular shape in America. And once the girls realize it, I am going to be like sought after. Yeah. You're the George Clooney of the fat people. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't do horrible with the ladies. I don't do as good as as uh, George Clooney. I can't. I can't pull no Stacey Keebler. But don't worry about it, man. It's all gonna come around, like you said. When they realize it, you're gonna be like, "All right, single file, ladies." There you go. Hey, everyone gets a taste. Hey, you never know. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's look. You, you tell your mom almost. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like twenty something years ago, almost twenty years mm-hmm. ago, that you'd rather be an actor. So you start in comedy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I ha- I don't remember seeing all of the individual series, but you've been on Spin City. Uh, you were in Coyote Ugly. You, you... Well, here's, here's a fact. Um, I was one of the original hosts, one of the original hosts on Comedy Central. In fact, I was the first black, uh, first African-American host on Comedy Central. There I had a show go. called Stand Up, Stand Up. I have that a little bit down in my in my list to go on to, but that's cool. I, like <laughs> you. I, I was going to say, do you feel like you've actually – reached all of you know within reason all your dreams or do you you know have you done enough acting or do you want more movies i mean what's your goal you know what man i tell you it's really interesting that you asked that question is that now that i started this company um it's like now i want to encourage the world because uh, yes I, i've done things that I, that I set out to do i wanted to do a national uh, television show you know and do, do, do stand up on letterman and i did that you know i wanted to have my own uh, television show. I had that, you know, um, I wanted to do stand up, you know, different parts of the world. I've done that, you know, I've, I've done stand. I mean, I've done commercials. I've done like 30, 40 commercials, you know, national, international, you know, um, I've done film, I've done sitcoms. So it's like, check, 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 check. And then I realized, you know, I'm, I have no regrets and I'm a very happy person. And I realized that, you know, I want the rest of the world to be happy. And so what's the secret? It's the key, the key to it is like, having no regrets. And so now I want people to be happy too. And that's the secret is having no regrets. Because I, I, something I learned, when you're happy, you want people around you to be happy. You don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be hanging on people who are just depressed or just angry or mean, whatever. Like, you, you, sometimes you say, come on, just chill, man, relax. You know, it's you know, no big thing, no big deal, no big deal. And so when you do that, it's, it's, it's almost like uh, uh, um, infectious, so to speak, you know. Yeah, like and, laughter. Like laughter. Yeah, and, if once everybody, one person laughs, they all do. Yeah, 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 and and that's your world. That you yeah. want to be around people who are like minded and who are who are happy like you are. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to, I'm trying to affect the world, um, you know, person by person, by just by being happy and just basically living a regretless life. And so, when I set out to to act, um, I knew I wanted more. I wanted more. I wanted more. And so when I was doing um, when I was acting, when I was doing these commercials, when I was I'm doing stand up, I would get off or d- I would get off stage or done, you know, rap film or whatever. But I'm like, there's something else, something else. And I found it that I feel that I'm the ambassador of, of happiness. I want people to be happy. How can I do that? Just tell them, you know what, live a regretless life. There's, that's the key. 
So when someone when you're out there because you you've done seminars and stuff for this, right? You know what 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 is it? Is it an hour seminar where you talk about the benefits? I mean, what's it yeah, like? It's, because it's, 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 it's different, but for the most part, I'm up there like for 45 minutes, maybe an hour, but most most times 45 minutes, and then I kind of like do a little workshop, and um and I'll just tell people what I've learned. And in the book, I wrote a book. And the book's doing very, very well. And they're developing a TV show based on the book, actually. That's awesome. And um, so, yeah, and so I just basically, in the book, it's just encouraging people to live their dreams. And uh, in the book, if there's any obstacle that you have, there's, a, there's an encouragement in that book that's going to help you get, this, get over that obstacle. There you go. What's the, what's the book's title and where can they find it? Oh, you can find it on Amazon. Um, you can find it at youneverknow.com. It's called the You Never Know Book of Encouragement. And people who are listening, you never know it's spelled Y apostrophe N E V A N O. It's one word. You never know. And leave the apostrophe out and add dot com, and you go right to right. the website. Right. And you, they could see interviews with you there and other people right. that, you know, almost like inspirational videos of things that other people have accomplished while using you never know. Right, it's, it's it's just a frame. It's a state of mind. It's a simple state of mind. You know, it's, it's not like you have to follow rules. You know, it's like you know, step number one. You know, no, no. It's just a, a just a, a state of mind saying try it. That's all. Yeah, and you know, it's funny when they when I got approached to do the show here on Comedy Slam Radio, they right. were like, "Hey, Dave, you want to do a radio show?" And you know, it was after right. doing just open mics for a year, and you know, I guess just having a personality that. The, right. the people that were running the station at the time said, hey, you know, we could do it. And I was like, uh, I, I guess I can. Can I call right. it Let's Be Frank with Dave Frank? And they were like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, all right, I'm in. There you go. And it was yeah. funny because growing up, you know, I never thought I'd be a comedian. I never really thought about what the hell I wanted to be aside from a salesman. My father was a salesman. It was just what I thought I was always going to do. Right. And uh, they were always said, well, what if you, if you were ever going to be on TV, what would you do? I'm like, I want my show to be called Let's Be Frank with Dave Frank because I just always, from the time I was like, a, you know, early teens. Right. So I was like, oh, shit. I guess this is yeah. the time for me to, holy shit, you never know when something's going to pan out. So and we Right, may, right. So you have, you have to try it. You have yeah. To try it. And, and the logo for You Never Know is a, um, a partly open door. Basically, that's inviting you to try. That means try. Go, go, go through that door. Absolutely. And because any opportunity is not, it's, there's never a locked door. Just It's just so simple. Go through the door. You never yeah. Know. Sometimes you might have to hit the door a little harder or it's harder, you know, <laughs> you know, just bash, it's, bash it's, it down so and hope it's not a solid oak wood door. Yeah, right. <laughs> Stomp your way in. Right. It's there. The opportunity's there. Definitely. You just got to get out there and try. Yeah, that's it. So right now when you're doing comedy, and you do a lot more comedy in New York City, how much traveling around the country are you still doing? Um, I'm not doing as much as I used to um, because I'm working with a company, um, but I do a lot more corporate, uh, corporate meetings. I host corporate meetings, um, IMC, um, you know, sales, um, sales, sales meetings, uh, like in uh, resorts and things like that. Um, you that's know, that's one of the I'm things I hope like to get into. Week. Hmm? That's one of the things I hope to get into is being able to do that, uh, hosting events, yeah. emceeing, and charging $12,000 to come and stand up in front of people to deliver a speech because they're too pansy to deliver their own speech. <laughs> right, right. And it's uh, amazing. You know, like I said, man, you, you have the chops, so you know, you're, you're pretty much halfway there. So it, It's amazing how many people are scared to just talk in front of people, especially about stuff they know everything about. Well, they say that people rather die before they, you know, be public speakers, speak in front of, you know, speak in front of people. So it's, it's the most terrifying thing, you know. Yeah. But and, and, and I so, guess it is. Know, we'll, we'll take it. Yeah, I'm happy to do it. Uh, right. You know, I don't, I don't know exactly how how I would take the next step myself into to getting more into the public speaking, but um, mm-hmm. I think for me it would have to I'd have to give up working full time so that I could really concentrate on full-time getting educated enough into doing it. Right. And, and I don't think I'm, I'm not, I, I've made a lot of big jumps and I've been hit right. in the face and knocked down a couple of times in life. And I'm like, I don't think I'm ready to just jump off the edge again and, you know, go nuts. You know, you know, I mean, if, if that's your MO, if you're the kind of person that definitely like says, you know what, I'm going to try it. You, you, you're not going to change. You're definitely going to do it. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna quit your job sooner or later and, and pursue whatever you want to do. 
Well, I mean, because it took it took a big jump for you to you know to, to say you know I want to do stand up comedy. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would love to do it, but they don't have the cojones to do it, and you're, yeah. and you're doing it. So, so I I, I could see you know. I can see like a year from now, two years from now, our next talk. I'll be like, I told you, man, you can do it. You did it. Well, it's funny. You know, I work with, you know, corporate America, and I've had the opportunities to be able to transfer around. So with the company I'm with now, I've looked to see if uh, there's some opportunities out in L.A. or Hollywood. And uh, I almost had an opportunity. Uh, There was an offer on the table, and things just went awry. So you never know. I've thought about going out there because – not, not that I'm, I don't, I don't think I'm necessarily a good enough comic at this point, but I can get better there, just like so I, I can get better where I'm at, and I can continue to have my regular job while I'm doing it. There's an advantage right. there. So I'm right, trying, right. I'm trying to strategically plan it all out. In, in my mind, one day I'm going to be immensely popular and not just immensely huge. Right. <laughs> you say literally or just uh, metaphorically? <laughs> Well, if I lose weight, I'm going to have to go on stage. I guess instead of being Fat Dave, I'll change my name to Extra Skin Eric. What would you say was Fat Dave? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I, I used to be like 140 pounds lighter and work out all the time. And then, I don't know, like depression, double cheeseburgers and stuff went on sale. It was all downhill. Oh. It was like a 10-year spiral of... <laughs> Hell and cheeseburgers. But you fell in love, and you fall in love. That helps too. That helps. Oh yeah, that happened in uh, like four years ago. That happened. It was funny. Uh, I I had moved to Chicago, and I met a girl, and things were really going great. But it was weird. You know, it was uh, one of the first things I did was have to uh, accomplish a fear. One of my fears was I didn't want to die saying I had never lived anywhere outside of the state of New York. Okay. So uh, there was a couple, one or two opportunities they had coming up, and uh, I took one that moved me out to Chicago. Uh, at the time, uh, I was in the manufactured and modular housing sales and financing industry. Right. So it took me out there. So that was the first, like, I was 34 or 35 at the time, and that was, like, the first time I felt like I was an adult, really. And it sounds funny, but I had always worked, and I worked in sales, but it was, like, the biggest thing I ever did was moving out of New York. And I was like, right. oh, shit. And then six months, <laughs> you know, four months later, I'm like, well, this job didn't work out. <laughs> right, right, and I'm right. Like, but you did it, though. Yeah, I did it. And I was like, am I going to go home? Like, it, it was funny because I'll tell you the story. The guy, it was like a half a billion dollar company. And they own, they, it was very big, multifaceted in businesses. But uh, I, they brought me in to manage one of their communities. And we're, we're in the, uh, the Hancock building in Chicago. Right. And uh, we're looking out over the, I almost said the ocean, but over the lake. And this this seventy <laughs> okay. something year old man throws his arm around me and he starts telling me the story about how he built the company and all this craziness. And and he sells me, he sells me. I go home and three weeks later I'm packing my shit and moving out to wow. Chicago. And it was done. I'm like I'm going to manage it. I get out there. He never fired the current manager. I pull in and I'm like, yeah, hey, I'm Dave, the new sales manager. And everybody's like face dropped, and I was just like, "Well, what's wrong?" They're like, "Nobody, nobody knew." I'm like, "Oh, I'm like, well, where's the current sales manager?" She goes, "Oh, she's going to be here in about three minutes." I'm wow, like, that's great. They didn't Awkward. have they didn't have my apartment ready. Like they, I, I require. I was like, "Listen, if I'm moving out, you got to furnish a place for me." You know, I'm yeah. not taking anything. I'll, you know, I, I pick my salary and the whole bit. So wow. I go out there, and I'm, I'm happy. I'm thinking things are going to be good, and then they just start making changes to it. So I'm like, oh, you know man. what? This is bullshit. And I go in. I was probably 20 minutes outside the city. So I go into the, uh, go into the city, and I go back up to the guy's floor on a I, – I guess he owned, like, the whole 13th floor or I don't know, whatever the building was. I'm sorry, whatever level the floor was in the John Hancock building. But he – it was beautiful. So I go up into his office, and I'm – I'm like, you guys are changing the contracts on me. This is, you know, this is BS. And wow. I throw my arm around him, and I look out. We're looking out over his lake again in his fancy office, and I'm like, I just don't think, you know, I moved across the, you know, move across the country on, you know, on your word. Right. And he goes, you know what, Dave, you're right. We're not going to change anything. Everything's going to go the way, like we said. And I'm like, you promise? And he goes, yeah. So I turned to him. I shook, I shook his hand, and I said, fine, I quit. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I just need to know that I got you to admit that you were wrong. I was right. And now screw you, buddy. I quit. Right. 
And that night, well, that night, believe it or not, somebody by the name of Joe, um, he he owned another community. He called me, goes, I heard you quit your job today. I was like, who are you? And he goes, well, I own such and such company. Come and visit me tomorrow in Skokie, Illinois. I'm going to hand you a plane ticket. I want you to go visit a property in Florida. Tell me if you want to live there. I'm like, uh, okay. So I'm like, you know, I never even knew Skokie, Illinois existed outside of movies. I'm like, that's a real town? <laughs> I think it was Silent Bob went through there with, uh, what's his face? Jay and Silent Bob went to Skokie, Illinois. Right. <laughs> so I go there, and he says, here's your ticket. Let me know if you want to move. And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm like, this is what I'm making. He goes, I'll match the same thing. Just move down there and run the community. Needless nice. to say, three or four months later, that job came to an end because the industry was dead. All right, well, you did it. Yeah, man. It's and then I said, "Screw this! I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving Florida." Not, right, right. Not, I said, "I am going to rebuild," and I busted my ass, and I wound up broke, and then I rebuilt again. You know, I blew through right, all right. my savings because there was no way I was leaving. I was not going to be beat by the state of Florida and the economy. I refused to let it happen. I hear you. I hear you. Nice, man. All right. So it happens. That's what it is. If you don't have a little testicular fortitude or... Testicular fortitude. Hey, I I stole that from Mick Foley, the wrestler. If he ever wants to come down and beat me up, I'll take that beating, but he he started that. (laughs) I I give him props. Give him props. All right, so what else is on the agenda here? You know, tell us a little bit, you know, who are some of the favorite comedians that you've gotten to work with? Or is there any crazy stories, you know, maybe a, a famous comedian that you got to work with that was a big dickhead? <laughs> you could be frank. Um, it's just between me, you, and a few thousand people that listen. Yeah, you, right, no right, problem. right. No, you know what, man? I, I haven't um, I haven't the pleasure. I haven't had the pleasure of working like any big comics who are dickheads. But um, I work with a lot of comics. Um, big comics, small comics. I, um, I'm just trying to think of uh, a favorite, a memorable moment. Well, I'll tell you. Okay, I'll tell you this. Um, Franklin the Jai, and I think um, a lot of comics don't know who he is. And for those who, it's like I look at comedy like jazz. You, you really got to know who these artists are. And Franklin the Jai is one of the true, uh, one of the first true like stand-up comics. And uh, he's my favorite. Okay. And um, I love his style. I love his cadence. And he's a musician too. I'm a musician too. And so you can see, you can hear um, his so to speak musicianship or his, his like instrumentation. Well, the way he structures his jokes is like a musician. And um, I always love that. And so um, about two years ago, he was headlining in uh, here in Manhattan. And I was like this groupie. I, everywhere he was, everywhere he was like doing like a little tour in Manhattan, different clubs in Manhattan. And I was like a groupie. I was just following everywhere he went. And um, I was doing a show where he was closing, headlining the show. And it's one of those things where the people that you idolize or whatever, not only if they can say, hey, you know, hey kid, you're funny, whatever, but if they do something that shows that they're listening, that's like the biggest compliment. Absolutely. So um, I do I do a joke about my wife. My wife is from the Dominican Republic, and um, my wife's very Dominican. And I, t- I the, the joke I do is my wife my wife is so Dominican she's batting three thirty seven. <laughs> there you go. And so um, so uh, my wife was at the show, and um, at, at the end of, at the end of his show at the, at the whole show whatever people are kind of hanging out whatever, and I wanted him to meet. Uh, I wanted to meet him and meet my wife. And so I said, hey, I'm Wally Collins. You know, this is my wife. He goes, oh, she's batting 337. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So that's like the biggest compliment, that you know you're on the right track. And if you can impress, so to speak, your idol, you're like, that's golden, man. That's like, I'm good. I'm good. I got this. I got this. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So that, if, if there's stories like that, um, there's one right there. But, no, I never met um, – I can't think of a comic who was like a dick, you know, who was like, you know, um, you, you see him in one way and then you're working with them. You're like, oh, man, not at all. You know, um, it's, um, or, that's a or, good you thing. Know, I didn't I didn't even go there, you know. Right. No, that's a good thing because there hasn't been, you know, I've asked that. I don't ask that every week, but I've asked that of a lot of people throughout the last 50 or 60 shows. 
And I, I don't really think I've ever had anybody say anything really bad. You know, right. the worst, someone might say a, a road story that they've had that was bad. But it's interesting because you don't see people, uh, or, or maybe it happens, but the people with longevity in this career uh, of comedy, they mm-hmm. don't, are the ones that don't speak ill about each other. And when you no, no, that's true. That's true. Because, I mean, for one thing, you don't want to burn a bridge. And, um, and like, you want to be around like-minded people. So, right. yeah. But you could see it when you're in, you know, when you're in the open mic and beginning stages. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could see the groups of people that talk bad about the other comics or afterwards, right. and you're like, "Wow!" And sometimes you're amazed by who it is. Right. <laughs> I'm like, "Holy shit!" I'm like, "That guy was always so nice." I'm saying, "I wonder what he, you know." Then you're like, "I wonder what he's saying about Fat Davy when Fat right. Davy right. is there." <laughs> but also, too, man, it's like you know, as you as you're you know you're, you're rising in the in in the field, whatever, you get those bitter people and. Mm-hmm. And it's like if you hang out with them, then people are going to associate you with them, and you want to stay as far away from that person, you know. And, and I mean, because they have they have just like you know just this sour attitude, you know. They they don't want your they don't want you to be successful, you know. And if you are successful, they're not going to be happy for you. There's going you know there's going to be well, how did you get that or whatever, you know. So well, it's like ah, man. So yeah, so you just kind of like stay away from those kind of folks. It's funny when you talk about. People, they don't want to see your success. Right. Uh, it, it, it reminds me of a time, again, when I was younger, uh, sometimes it's your own fear that's holding you back. Yeah. And it happened once for me. I had watched a, a video. It, it just showed up in my mailbox. It was a, a body for life challenge. And I had always worked out, but I had fallen off the wagon for a little bit. And I don't know if one of my friends sent it to me or what. But okay. I had done it, and I was like 280 pounds, and it was a Body for Life challenge. And the owner of the company, it was EAS Sports Products, uh, okay. supplements company. And it was 84 days of, uh, of a workout to change your life. And I was like, you know what? And in the, in the book, in the video, they were like, you know, a lot of the times when you don't succeed, it's because you're scared of the change. You've mm-hmm. been what you are for so long. You're scared of that change of you know right. how are people going to react to a skinnier David or or whatever it is, right? And it was it was amazing. I had had a a great accomplishment. I had lost like forty pounds and like nice. I went to like twenty one. I'm sorry, from like twenty one percent body fat to fourteen, and I maintained it for years. Wow. And then that depression and double cheeseburger was going on sale for a dollar kicked in, and it's been all downhill. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and now I'm just a big fat guy, but you know, I still like I get back in the gym sometimes and you get on a roll, but it's amazing when if you, if if you can really set your mind to it, it's amazing what you can accomplish, what you oh, should. Oh, definitely, man. And you know, I, I know in my heart I'll probably get back on the wagon to the gym and stuff again one day and really do it, but Right. You know, it's 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 you know, that fear you, man, again. It's 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 one of those things like when you start doing the road, um you know, your health is like the most important thing because when you are when you are doing the road, and um, if you can't do that gig, you know you don't get paid. Right. And there's, and you know, and there's no one uh, who's going to help you out, you know, but except you. And so I learned that the hard way that you know you really have to take care of yourself on the road. You have to hydrate. You know, you do have to exercise. You do have to. You know, you really have to. It's like mind, body, and spirit. You really have to keep that healthy. And, Absolutely. Um, you know, like I said, I learned it the hard way, but I tell, you know, my, um, my students, because I tutor stand-up, um, that's part of it. You really have to um, stay healthy, be on the road, because being, being on the road is, you know, that, that's your moneymaker. It's your moneymaker, and it's easy to fall into the bad habits of the road. Oh, yeah. You could take yeah, I mean, and take any kind of food there. I mean, the cheapest food, you know, the crappiest food is the cheapest food, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know and, and it's going to take a little bit longer um, to, you know, find the, the, the food that's good for you and the food that's going to, you know, help maintain your health, yeah. but it's worth it. And it's a little more expensive to stay in the little hotels or motels that might have a little gym included in them. But you don't even have to go to, you know, you don't have to go to a gym, you know, or a hotel, you know, you can, you can do, you can do pushups. You can, you can run in place, you know, you can do whatever, whatever you need to do to, you know, the, to keep your heart pumping, you know, get that blood flowing. But like I said, you know, it really is part of, you know, being a, a, a good stand-up comic, a good uh, um, traveling comic, road comic, is um, your health, man. That's, 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 that's key. 
So uh, on the comedy note, and when you're out on the road and mm-hmm. even writing comedy, what's your style for writing? Do you take advantage of today's technology? Do you just grab a notebook and a piece of paper? I'm sorry, a notebook and a pencil and write? Um, all the above. When when if my phone's not near me, I'll 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 jot it down. You know, I even write it on my hand because um, I don't want to lose it. And there have been times when I'm think you know I'll think about it and I'm and I'll bust out laughing like oh my god it's hilarious I'll remember it. And probably like an hour or two later I'm like oh what was that joke what was that joke. So I learned um, write it down jot it down like you know um, it doesn't have to be the whole bit. It can be just a piece of piece of the setup and then part of the punchline or payoff. Right. But, it's the premise. Right, the premise, the premise, right. Yeah, and, and I abuse the electronics. I think, oh yeah, I, th- I think in a little way it holds me back because I get that premise and the idea, and I speak it into the phone in the note section, and mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, that that idea is on lockdown, and I don't take the time out enough to really sit down and write it out and elaborate on it. And those are the well, things that I say. Well, that's when I say to myself, I don't think I'm ready to jump in full footage yet, or right. with, you know, with both feet. If I'm not willing to take that extra time, I, I you know, I got, you know, it's it's just taking me longer and longer to build up the material because I'm not out there and I'm not working on it hard enough. Right, right. I mean, it is. It's, it's going to come around, you know, like I said, when you start getting those laughs, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to want to do more. You're going to be like, oh man, you know what? I, I, this is, this is hot. I, it's, it's exactly. like a drug. You want to, you want to get another hit. Yeah. I, I remember it was, there was two, for me, two real big achievements for me when I felt that I could really do it. You know, right. I, I had done stand-up for about four or five months, and there's a really great club down here called Side Splitters in Tampa. Oh, yeah. Uh, have you have you ever worked at it at all? No, I, have, I know of it, but I've never worked there, right? All right. Well, they do, you know, a, a bringer comedy competition. And I'm like, you know mm-hmm. what? It's going to be in their main room and not just an open mic outside in the, in the bar. And they may not be all my friends, but they're going to be 100, 150 people there. Mm-hmm. And they may not vote for me. I may not win it, but I'm. I want to see if I can make a room full of people laugh and not, right. you know, shit my pants. Right. And that's what I did. And I, I, I didn't win the contest, but I, I made you everybody laugh. And I was like, right. you know what? I, I can continue doing it. That was a. It was a big moment there. I was over a hundred people, and I'm like, you know, there was no real fear involved because I had already been on stage and. I did it, you know. I, that was the goal, and you know, maybe not everybody laughed, but a whole shitload of them did. <laughs> That's all that matters, man. Yeah. You're not going to get everyone to laugh anyway, yeah. you know. And then no I did a, a charity event, which I'm going to do again this February for uh, Alzheimer's uh, Foundation. And wow, you can do that every week. I, <laughs> absolutely, you can do it every five minutes. Right, <laughs> but it, but they have a it, it's it's to date my biggest crowd. They they pull about six hundred people in every single year for it, so right. it raises a lot of money. And you only get like five or seven minutes because they do a whole gamut of different acts. But I'm like, holy cow! I performed in front of six hundred people. I went from a hundred to six hundred, and I was just I was more ecstatic by the fact that I felt I did good in front of that many people. Right. right. So I mean, it's those little. The little achievements that keep you wanting to go. Like, I can't wait yeah, to little, do it again. Yeah, exactly. I'm telling you, man. I, I'm telling you. I'm, about a year from now, we're going to talk again. You're like, well, he's like a drug. I'm like, I told you, man. It's, <laughs> it's, it's that addictive. It's for me, right now, the drug is the show. Like, right. I, I analyze the show. I'll go home tonight, and I'll listen to the show, and I'll be like, all right, how did it go? All right, right. yeah. Oh, look, Dave had a – because for me, there's no touch-ups. I take the live show, and I put it out the pet. Unless something horribly goes wrong – I take the live show and I put it out on the podcast. If there's mess-ups, there's mess-ups. You know, if they listen right. to it live, I've asked Martin Short stupid questions. I've got yelled at by Bobby Slayton. Uh, <laughs> I had compliments paid to me by Jackie Mason and Paul Rodriguez got hung up on me four or five times. I mean, really? Oh yeah. Well, not he, he didn't mean to. Like the the cellular connection get kept. Oh, he was okay. he was stuck in the like he he had only planned on doing the show for like twenty minutes. Right, but he was stuck on the highway in L.A. traffic, and right. he's like, "You got me." He goes, "I got nowhere to go." So it was just he had a shitty connection. So you know, we had to oh, call okay. him back like three times. <laughs> but I'm like, if you're stuck in traffic, you might as well just stay on the phone with me. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, why not? <laughs> so I mean, I that whole you never know. I mm-hmm. never. It, it was funny when I started doing the show. I didn't just interview comedians i thought i was going to be you know i had no clue what the show was going to be right and then i said you know literally you never know i want to start calling 
big comedians and see who's willing to come on to a show. Right. And the first person that I really got that was like a celebrity in my mind, and I had had great people call before, but was Bobby Slayton. Oh, yeah. And then it went Bobby Slayton, Jackie Mason, Paul Rodriguez, Tom Driesen, uh, and then a whole slew of other people. I had like 10 or 12 celebrity comedians, and it was like a crash course, and you better learn what the hell you're doing real fast. Yeah, man. man. Yeah. And then when, you know, I had a couple of people give me some great compliments, I was like, wow, you know, this is cool. And then they right. come into town and they invite you backstage and you get to bullshit for a few minutes and yeah, it's cool. Right, cool. Uh, Bobby Collins was great. He hung out with me backstage for ten minutes or so before the show. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and you never and you never and, and and I'm not trying to plug. You never know, but you never know because I went to Bobby's website and there's a phone number there, right. and for Bobby Collins and I'm like, all right, let me just call the phone number. I figure I'm calling his assistants, you know. Right. So I called the phone number, and apparently uh, it was a number that was for his office in his house. Okay. So I'm just sitting there, at my, you know, and obviously I'm a smart enough guy to type the number I call in my smartphone just in case some odd chance it's going to call me back because you, you call everybody. Right. And I'm just sitting at my house on a Sunday or whatever it was, and there's all of a sudden Bobby Collins. I'm like, oh, I wonder who this must be is his assistant calling me or something's going on. And right. it's just Bobby Collins saying, hey, Dave, I liked your message. I figured I'd call you back myself. We don't need wow. no stinking PR people. You sound like a good old boy from New York, but blah, blah, blah. I want to <laughs> do the show. And I'm just like, holy cow, this is great. 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I never in a million years would have been thinking I'm just chit-chatting on my couch with some celebrity. <laughs> and, and you're just like, holy cow. Yep, it happens, man. Yeah. It's that easy. Yeah. So who are, and you know, for me, and I don't, you know, and I say I get excited when you have a celebrity on, but I don't, I don't think that I'm the person to really, you know, I'm not going to get overly excited with, if I were to meet a celebrity, you know, you pay them their respect and all, but right. you, working with a celebrity is a little bit different. Now, I, I think we're close to the same age. I don't know if you're a lot older than me or a little younger, but uh, for, go ahead. Being on Spin City with Michael Fox and those kind right. of guys, I mean, right. I'd have been like, wow, I'm working with, you know, these are the people I grew up watching on TV. Now I'm like <laughs> doing a series with them. It's got to be know, a little surreal or crazy like, in the you know, back after, of your after head. After a while, it's like, it's, it's, it's just a thing. It's like, you know, that's just part of the next step. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because this is, um, the way I see it, you know, every, every accomplishment is just in the way of my next one. So once, it, once I'm done with it, it's almost like preparing, you know, a, a great meal. You know, it's like part of the recipe, you know, in order for a great pie, whatever. You know, you need a little, little bit of salt. You need a little bit of pepper. You need a little bit of, you know, oregano. You need, you need the, the pasta. You need the sauce, whatever. You trying you know, to make the order, fat guy hungry? What's the matter? It's late night. You're trying to promote me eating. You're bringing up all these favorite foods and seasonings. Oh, sorry, sorry. I'm getting hungry, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> but, I, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, if you get, don't get caught up in, you know, like, I mean, appreciate what you're doing. Don't, don't get me wrong. But if you get caught up in saying, oh, my God, I work with Michael J. Fox. Oh, my God. You know, it, 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 it's almost like, it, it, for me, I should say, it's, it stops me. But it's like, okay, I got this. Check, 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 check. In fact, my, Michael J. Fox and I, we talked many times because I used to do warm-up for the show. And that's how um, I got on the show. And, um, and you're, yeah, and so it's like, okay, been there, done that. What's, what's my next thing? But the cool thing is that I can go back and reflect and say, yeah, you know what? I did a scene with just me, Michael J. Fox. You know? Heck, yeah. So. I mean, it's got to, I mean, I would imagine that just for me, the, the first couple of times, if and when I get the opportunity to do that, you know, there's just going to be that excitement factor, at least in the beginning, I, I think. You know, I'm oh, yeah. sure I'll be able to keep it keep it cool, but it, inside I'll be like, holy shit, like a, like a little 16-year-old cheerleader, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got yeah, my 30 seconds on Saturday Night will, Live. Um, well, definitely, you know, you, you, at first you definitely will be, um, uh, let's see, um, excited and, and, and all, you know, all the above. Yeah. But after a while, man, it's like, all right, cool. What's, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? And for me, the next thing is another radio show and another right. charity event. I think the next event I'm doing is uh, doing a charity event. And I, I wasn't even told what the charity was yet. Um, it's just a great place down here in uh, 
Largo called Finley's Irish Pub, and they do maybe eight shows a year. You know, like okay. every six, eight weeks, they want to do a show. It stays right. fresh, and the people keep coming back, and the shows always pull in 90 to 100 people. So this time, right. I guess all proceeds from the door and a percentage of the food. I, I don't okay. remember the name of the charity, but that's what they're doing again. I think it's going to be December 1st. All so right. uh, that's where I'll be. And we, what do you got coming up for yourself for shows around New York? Uh, well, I mean, if folks want to go to wallycollins.com, W-A-L-I-C-O-L-L-I-N-S.com. Um, my calendar's there, like all the shows in New York City. Um, going on tour, um, I think it's the second week in January, I'll be up in, um, in Providence, Rhode Island at uh, Catch a Rising Star. Um, and then um, I go to I, I go I go to Asia, and work Hong Kong, Macau, Shanghai, and I think Taiwan. Wow, doing comedy out there, yeah. Now, how different is it to do comedy there? It's interesting. Um, in Asia, there's no sarcasm in Asia, and so comedy has become the new social thing to do. Um, it used to be karaoke. Uh, people. Uh, well, especially in Hong Kong. Hong Kong is a very social kind of city. People live in very, very small apartments, and they eat. They go out. They go out to eat. They go out and socialize, but they go back to the apartment to pretty much sleep, take a shower, and do whatever they got. You know, whatever they do. But um, very rarely, you know, they don't listen to radio or watch TV. They do. They do any kind of connecting outside, and so um, they do karaoke or listen to live bands. They, they go dancing, and uh, this guy named Jamie Gong, who's brilliant. He said, you know what, I'm going to bring some Western culture into Asia. And um, in Hong Kong, it's 50% people who are expat or expatriates from other countries that live in Hong Kong. And the other 50% are natives. And so when, you go in, when you're doing a show, you're getting 50% of people who get your jokes. And the other 50% who are native, native, native uh, uh, Asians um, are like, oh, you don't, mean what you, you don't mean what you say. And that's what they're understanding jokes. So it's like this new... <laughs> Yeah, it's like this new way of, of being entertained. So it just it just took off. That's cool. Yeah, it's very very cool. So, and I guess it's got to be a big mix because not it's not so it's not a huge English speaking country. Well, so. it's, it's it's English speaking. They understand English, and um, you'd be surprised how many people how many people know English all over the world because English was you know, American or English or whatever, because, I mean, we're, we're the entertainment capital of the world. Mm-hmm. So a lot of their media and a lot of their shows, whatever, are in English. So that's a lot of people learn English. Right. And, I, like, I was talking to, uh, I don't know if you know, Avi Lieberman? No. All right. Uh, comedian out of L.A. And okay. I, I'm a Jewish guy, and he, and he does uh, tours in Israel. And I was like, you know, right. how the heck does that go over? I'm like, you know, how do you translate all your jokes in Hebrew. And he goes, oh, I don't. Everybody over there speaks English. Right. And he goes, if you talk to them in Hebrew or Yiddish, he goes, they just answer you in English because I'm just like, oh. Right. And, and I always thought, think it's interesting because when I talked to um, Paul Rodriguez, I asked him about you know, jokes translating in Spanish. And he's mm-hmm. like, they really don't because in, in, in Mexico and uh, I guess Puerto Rico and other Latino nations, or mm-hmm. at least mainly what, what he was referring to is what they look at as comedy is really that slapstick comedy that you see on Telemundo, right. and it doesn't, American comedy doesn't translate. So that's why I right. asked that. Uh, but if they're speaking English, it obviously makes it a lot easier. And oh, like, yeah. Every time I ask it, there's it's very rarely that people are like, oh, well, you know, I speak that language. It seems like everybody, I mean, if you're going to comedy, they, they prepare you that you better know how to speak English if you're going, or at least understand it. Right, right. Honestly, yeah, understand and like understand the so to speak, kind of like the culture too, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but basically, once you understand this, like like I worked in Holland. Um, oh my God, for a, a lot, a lot, a, a long time. And um, same thing, the, um, comedy took off there, and they and they speak English. You know better than us actually. everybody's shit face and stone they better be laughing at everybody's jokes but you know what that's 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 a uh a myth actually oh not everybody is no nah, no nah, because i mean it's kind of like um it's it's uh, just too available like, so coming to, come to america it. and people think everything is disney world you know right what I mean? and it's like yeah it's disney but it's not 
you know, as in all over America. You know, people come to New York thinking that, you know, there's going to be crime everywhere they go. Right. You know, so it's, no, it's just the media, you know, puts that out there. But in, uh, in Holland, no, but the, they're called weed pubs. And, um, you, you know, you go specifically to that, you know, to the pub right. to smoke weed. But the people who are smoking weed are the tourists. The, the locals don't do that. They pretty much have a drink, a beer, whatever, and kind of like chill. <laughs> I think that's why so many comedians want to be in L.A., in, in California. Yeah. Because they think they're more creative when they're high and they go out there and they're like, yeah, I got headaches. Yeah, Give yeah, me yeah. a prescription. Oh, God. How many times have you seen that? And you're like, you, you want to do that joke? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, okay. I, I question myself all the time on the jokes I do, but I'm like, you know what? It's so much about it is just me picking on fat guys and just self-deprecating humor. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if I can't do it, who the hell can? You know, if you can't go up there and pick on yourself, you can't go up there and pick on anything else. That's what I think. If I just can't go up there and pick on fat guys, I can't pick on, I can't do baby jokes and I can't do drug jokes and I can't do, you know, dating jokes if I can't pick on myself first. Right. So right. now I'm breaking off into, I have uh, Match.com jokes, which are all based on fortunately live experiences with crazy girls that I've met on Match.com. Uh, <laughs> if it wasn't for Match.com, I don't think this fat guy would ever get laid. So There you go. Okay. Except for this new cute girl who told me she might be listening to my show tonight. So who knows? Oh, you remember her name? Give a shout out. No, no, no. We don't give shout outs to them. Oh, you don't? No. I just That's let her know. She knows that if she's listening, she she knows that I mentioned her. Hi, hi, hi you. I'm winking right now. There you go. <laughs> yeah. How, you how know, are you doing? What, yeah. What, <laughs> what up, girl? Yeah. You know. You know. There you go. <laughs> you know, I find that if, if I keep it general and I don't keep the girls that I date, whether they listen to the show or not, I keep names out of stuff, and I can be just a little bit more explicit and fun because and, it doesn't matter. Right. For now, when I'm big and famous, I'll wrap them all out in the things they let me do. <laughs> then they could make millions off of my name by suing me. Millions. But, but for right. now, yeah, millions. For right now, I need my two nickels to rub together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sharing my one until I have tons. There you go. All right. I like that. <laughs> so... Do you have any favorite comics uh, that you work with or that you see out there at open mics when you're going around the city that you like to give a shout-out to, anybody that you think are some good up-and-comer comics that people should look out for? Me? Um, was Wally Collins. I think it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> I, heard that, I heard that guy's a jerk. I don't know. No, no, no. He's really cool. He's really cool. <laughs> you lend him money, he'll pay you back. Um, wow. Wow. Um, Got to be frank, man. You could you could say a comic that you don't think anybody should listen to. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. I'm trying to think. Well, Ted Alexandro is someone that you should talk to. He's he's from New York, and uh, I find him incredible. He's he's a great writer, um, and uh, he's he's done two uh, Comedy Central um, half uh, half hours, and which is which was pretty rare. Yeah, to have two half hour specials. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to get me one of those 15-minute specials where you're doing eight minutes worth of comedy and seven minutes worth of commercials. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd be ecstatic. Exactly. <laughs> I, you know what? And, and, I, and I've said it before. If I never got past the stage where I could do 10 or 15 minutes of comedy, right? I, I'd be okay. I would because I have a job, and the fact that I'm getting up there and having fun and right. staying local, I don't have to travel and go crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'd be all right with that. I don't, I don't know how big or how crazy I'll ever want to get it, but I'm okay with you know the fact that a hundred people laughed at me and you know I made sixty five bucks. I'm like, all right, I did something I enjoyed. I got paid, and I'm going to spend twenty of it on a helping some stripper get a great education. There you go. There you go. That's it. You're, you're uh, trickle down. There you go. You're, you're <laughs> down investing economics. in America. I like that. Uh, yeah, no, I actually stay away from the strip joints. They're a waste of money. That's valuable cheeseburger money, those singles. <laughs> if I come in there with a roll of quarters and they could do magic tricks to pick stuff up, I'll go back in. But it, oh, okay. But, but, but until then, uh, I've burnt myself out on strip joints many years ago. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know? it, it is the illusion. It is. I don't want to go and watch something that I know I'm just not taking home. <laughs> right. And, and every, you could say you never know, but on that one... Even if I'm right, odds are I don't really want to be taking them home. You know? 
<laughs> I hear you. Sometimes I don't want that fantasy ruined. Yeah, you can't go past. <laughs> Let's just keep it here. Let's just keep the whole image of you and being beautiful and clever and smart and, you know, and it, with it's, some kind of dignity. It's funny because I actually did date a stripper once who was a very nice girl, mm-hmm. but we went out on one or two dates and she was incredibly uh, destroyed in the head. Right. I, I was just like, wow. I mean, I, I, I was baffled by all the craziness and how far out she was. I was like, you seem like such a nice person. And like, she wasn't really, you know, I'm going to say she wasn't horned it up or anything like that. You know, in that right. way, she was a good girl, but just mentally out there with some crazy experiences. And I'm like, yeah. Well, I mean, strippers, yeah, they're, they're a unique soul to be up there being completely naked and basically spreading open as you can see, you know, all their blessings. So yes, it, it takes a, uh, a special kind of person to uh, <laughs> to, to do, do it that. and to deal with it. I couldn't deal with that. Yeah, yeah. And, Everybody and God googling at my it. girl. Nah, that's gross. I can't even think about that. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't. I don't. I don't want to travel down the roads that many, many, many millions have traveled down before. Oh yeah. All right. Moving <laughs> on. Let's talk about something else because you're gonna give me nightmares. <laughs> well, you know, you know. I told you the show kind of goes quick because we're actually already over an hour. Can you believe? Get out of here. Swear to God, we're on about probably an hour and two minutes, hour and three minutes. Oh, and man. We started pretty much on time, so it goes right. by quick. Yeah, it does go quick. Wow. Yeah. All right. I am that fucking entertaining. Can you believe it? You are that entertaining. Yes, you are. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. I, I lost track of time. Well, hey, hey, when we go, I'm, I'm going to talk to the engineer. When we go to... Uh, when we go out with the egg, with the outro, is he going to be able to hear it? Can we leave him on the air? Yeah, we won't talk. That's cool. <laughs> Two comedians <laughs> don't talk. Oh, okay. Because afterwards, when the, when the show ends, I want to hear how he likes the uh, the uh, Incredible Hulk theme. It's, it's going to be great. So, is is there anything else that you want to get out there? Tell anybody about uh, you know. Uh, the um, website's a little bit my more. Book. Get my book. Buy my book. Uh, you never know. Um, you never know. Book of encouragement, and it, it's great gifts. Um, I got many people who bought them. You know, not for themselves, but people who they want to encourage. And it's uh, only great gifts for. Did I see it? It's only nine ninety nine. Nine ninety nine. Nine ninety nine. Guys, how can you not get? You can change your life for nine ninety nine, and you never exactly. know what's going to come from it. Exactly. You, you never, never know. know. All right, guys, we are going to wrap up the show, and we always give one the opportunity again. Any last shout-out? So let's plug, let's plug your website again. All right, it's uh, Wally Collins, W-A-L-I-C-O-L-L-I-N-S dot com. And my company is called You Never Know, and so it's You Never Know Book of Encouragement, com. All right, did you have a good time tonight? I really did, man. It was it was really interesting. Thanks so much. I no, it. I appreciate you coming in or calling in, and thank you. Uh, and it's funny because this was a very calm and educational show. And <laughs> last week was off the wall, crazy, perverted sex talk, talking about uh, nine month pregnancy porn. I mean, it was crazy. Wow, and- yeah, we can talk German porn if you want. <laughs> My mother would roll over in a grave. Good, good Jewish boys don't watch German porn. Oh, they can see like your mother's in Jewish porn. I mean, German <laughs> porn. What does that mean? <laughs> My mother was like, "Good Jewish boys don't play football. Go out for the golf team." I'm like, "What?" Was, I was like, "All right, I won't do that either." All righty. Well, I, I was very, I was very Jewed back as a kid. Very Jewed back. <laughs> okay. You can't do that. And had I known that if there had been a Tiger Woods when I was in junior high, I, my ass would have been playing golf. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I had no you clue know, you could make money in Jewish, golf. You know. No, but there, there, there was no, for a young man, there was no celebrity golfer. You know what I mean? He spelled probably, you know, he's younger than me, but if there was that young celebrity golfer, you know, that yeah. it, it would have brought my interest to, to the sport. Now I'm, I'm worthless. Just leave me on the cart with a beer or a cigar, and I'll swing at my ball when we drive by. Wow. Okay. I'm I'm a horrible golfer. Oh, that's what, in other words, that's what you're trying to say. Yes. <laughs> I, I believe. I, I want to believe that there is at least one person worse than me. 
I don't want to think um, that I'm the world's worst golfer. Yeah. But I suck. But I'm I'm pretty sure there's there's worse than you out yeah. there. So I, I mean, I, you should be able to drive the ball at least as far as you weigh, and I can't. As many yards as you weigh. If you can't drive it as many yards as you weigh, you're done. So I'm done. <laughs> you're done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Wally. Again, oh, man. yeah, man. Thank you for calling into the show. Uh, we Thanks can for do, having me. We're going to do it again. We'll, you know, and once you're once you're in the the Let's Be Frank family on a Monday night, yeah. you're always allowed to just call in and harass me. We don't really advertise for callers to call in, but. If all of a sudden I'm on the phone with Bobby Slayton and Wally Collins calls in, I'm not going to complain. That's that's pretty cool. All yeah, right. I'll I like just, thank you for the invitation. I, yeah. I, I just might take up on that. There you go. So you see the number that's calling into you, that we called out to you on? Did it come yeah, up on yeah. your phone? Right, right. There you go. Monday nights from 9 to 10, call and ca- call and cause trouble. Stir oh, up some face. shit. <laughs> all right. Done and done, son. <laughs> all right. Hang on. We're going to listen to the outro, and then you can let me know how horrible I am. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Big things happening next week. I never let you know, but you'll find out next week when you tune in. Have a good night. We've come to the end of another edition of the Let's Be Frank show. To catch up on past shows, find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Podomatic at Let's Be Frank's Podcast. Want to be part of the show? Email Dave at Let's be frank with Dave Frank at yahoo.com. Stay funny, my friends. See you next week.